Welcome to the Citizens Report. It's the 28th of August. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by Citizens Party founder and leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome Craig. Yeah, thanks Robbie. How's your back? Oh well, good to be back. <laughs> good. <laughs> okay, in this week's Citizens Report, the great bail-in swindle isn't fooling everybody and Australia's relentless slide to fascism. And Craig, we are going to get straight into it today because this, we, the breaking news is, is on bail-in, right? The great bail-in swindle isn't fooling everybody. The Senate Economics Legislation Committee has handed down the report of its inquiry into Senator Malcolm Roberts' bill, the Banking Amendment Deposits Bill 2020, and they're hoping we'll all just take what they feed us and go away. That's not going to work, Robbie. I mean, as, as, we're, as I saw this report come out, I said, are these guys fools? I mean, look, the, the Citizens Party, initially CEC, we've been on this case since 2013. Yeah. We have every aspect of this fraud yeah. on the Australian people covered, right the way through how it's been directed by the Financial Stability Board, by international bankers. We've got this thing dead to rights. Yeah, we've been publishing stuff on this for seven years, and these guys are saying, oh, look, there's nothing to see here. Yeah. You know, let, let, leave APRA alone. The Treasury says this is fine. This is actually the... the definition of an absolute cover-up because the intention here as you can go through in detail is that they intend to and have got in place now the ability for the Australian government and the banks to bail in people's deposits and all it will require when they say oh, no, the law doesn't require clarification all it requires is passing the simple bill by Senator Roberts and the whole debate is finished so yep. why not? Because this is a cover-up. There's, there's a deeper intention here. And, and this is where people have got to understand this is a definite case. Actions speak louder than words. So the words Absolutely. are, we will not bail in your deposits. Don't worry about it. The Trust law is us. Clear. Trust us. Actions are, okay, if you're genuine, here's a bill that will completely clarify it, put it, on, put it beyond all doubt. And they've had to twist themselves in knots to come up with reasons not to support that bill. That's what this, this report is about. Very important thing about the bill they don't want to support, though, Craig, is this already should have been debated by Parliament. And this is, this is the other part about actions speaking louder than words. Remember, if you know the story, if you don't, I'll tell you, when the, when the 2018 Crisis Resolution Powers Law was snuck through Parliament with only eight senators present on St Valentine's Day 2018, the St Valentine's Day Massacre of Savings, we call it, um, didn't go to a formal vote. I'm sitting in the gallery with Dr. Wilson Sy watching this play out in front of me, watching how quickly they're, they're rushing it through. I knew One Nation senators had intended to introduce an amendment to clarify the, the, the broad wording of the law that said any, any other instruments so that you added to that not including a deposit account. So it couldn't, so the slight, the, the, the doubt that was there could be clearly been clarified then. The government knew One Nation intended to do that. And the government had said to One Nation, we'll get our lawyers to look over your amendment for you. And when one, while One Nation was waiting back in their office, the government rushed this law through the parliament and I'm watching how quickly they're doing it. And I left the, I left the chamber and I called up One Nation and said, where's your amendment? And they said, we're waiting to hear back from the government. And I said, well, the law has just passed. And they were absolutely shocked. Right? That's the dirty tricks the government was prepared to play. So 
two years later, Senator Roberts has put up that bill to do what they, what they tried to do two years ago, right? This, the, the senator should have already been considering this. They should have, there should have been a proper... If, if there was a proper debate in Parliament two years ago, they could have said, well, yeah, people are concerned about deposits. Oh, this is a good idea. Let's just amend that. And that, that concern's taken away. They didn't want to do that. And those actions speak louder than words. So I want to... Here's the thing, though. This is, we're going to go through the, the details of this report after the break, Craig, but I want to play a clip now for the, for the viewers, which is the chairman of this committee that's handed down this report, nothing to see here, his name's Senator Slade Brockman. When he introduced the report in Parliament the other day, I, I want to play you the clip of what happened because he's, he's, he's introducing the report and then there's an interruption. And what it means is that this, this is not the final word on this. There will be a debate on this bill, Malcolm Roberts' bill, sometime in the future, probably in November, right? And we have a, we have a chance, ignore the fact that this, this report says don't pass the, the bill. That's up to the senators. They have the final word then, and you can intersect that. But just have a look at this clip for now. I call the clerk. Business of the Senate, order of the day number three, a report from the Economic Legislation Committee on a bill. Senator Smith, are you uh, going to be tabling that report, or do we have the chair? Sorry, Senator Brockman. On behalf, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Mr. Acting Deputy President. On behalf of the Economics Legislation Committee, I present the report of the Committee on the Banking Amendment Deposits Bill 2020 and documents presented to the committee. Uh, I would also seek leave to make a, a contribution. Is leave granted? Being no objection, leave is granted, Senator Brockman. I just uh, wish to make a few points. This is, this is a private senator's bill uh, from uh, the Pauline Hanson One Nation Party, Senator Roberts uh, being the initiator of this bill. And I do just want to make a couple of quick remarks on the report and some clarifications that need to be made. Uh, this is to do with the so-called bail-in possibility uh, of banking institutions bailing in depositors. That has gained uh, some order. Could, you resume your seat? Could senators who are not uh, participating in this debate please leave the chamber or uh, sit in their seats quietly? Thank you, Senator Brockman. Uh, that, that has uh, gained some traction in the community, and I rise uh, this afternoon really to make one key point: that there is, and the report makes clear, that there is no ambiguity. Uh, in need of rectification by this private senator's bill. Uh, it, is, it is not possible under current law and regulation for APRA to require banks to bail in deposit accounts. Uh, the Reserve Bank, APRA and Treasury all agree that the Banking Act does not imply that losses could be imposed on deposit holders or give APRA any additional powers that could be used to the detriment of retail depositors. Depositors are already safeguarded under a range of protections. The Financial Claims Scheme, uh, which, where the Treasurer may activate the scheme in the event that a bank fails. Upon activation, APRA provides depositors with access to their deposits within seven days up to a $250,000 cap. This covers around 99 per cent of deposit accounts in full uh, and around 80 per cent of household deposits by value. Uh, there is a depositors preference system which applies to deposits above the FSC 
FCS cap and means that in the event a bank fails, the claims of depositors ranks above all equity holders and creditors. And there are numerous layers of prudential regulation and interventions APRA can make to resolve financial institutions in distress, such as recapitalisation, statutory management and the transfer of powers. Uh, much of this comes down to the question of what any other how the phrase uh, in the, the uh, in the relevant laws any other instrument. Order, Senator Rotman. Point of order, Senator Rickman. I was just going out of the chamber. This um, bill is pursuant to the selection of bills. Um, I understand that leave was given, but normally we don't debate bills that are pursuant to selection of bills. So we would withdraw our support for leave. In that case, Senator Brotman, no, you no longer have the call. Uh, we return to government business orders of the day. Clark. So there you go. The Labor Party whip ran back in there to say, hey, no, no, no more discussing this. this. This is going to be debated in the future. Right? So that's the part. We'll give you some information after the break that you can intersect that with. Welcome back to the Citizens Report, where we're discussing the great bail-in swindle isn't fooling everybody. And um, before the break, I showed the clip of the chairman of this committee introducing this report, saying nothing to see here on the bail-in amendment, don't pass it. But Labor interrupted him and said, no, no, we will debate that in the future. Now, so what we need you, the viewer, to do, if you, if you like us, oppose bail-in, you've got to spend the next couple of months until this debate comes to Parliament harassing your member of parliament, harassing the senators in your state, demand they vote for Malcolm Roberts' bill. The, the, this committee report has no bearing on how they vote. This is just the government stating its position, right? They get to decide how they vote. And you don't have to convince them that bail-in is a threat. You just have to convince them that the law is unclear and you feel it's a threat. And because if the only reason they pass Senator Malcolm Roberts is to assure the Australian public, that's still a great reason to do it. If, the, if that's the only reason they passed the bill. And Senator Roberts did write a dissenting report too, Robbie, but people can get a copy of, which goes through the actual truth of what's going on here. Well, that's right. There was a little bit of media coverage, Craig, of this report. So on the uh, 25th of August, um, which is Tuesday, James Ayres in the Financial Review wrote, Senate Committee backs APRA Treasury on deposit protection. And he actually, <laughs> he made us the, the feature of this article that he wrote because he does know, and the, the Financial Review certainly is aware of our role in bringing this to the public's attention for, for many, many years. But otherwise, he just accepted that report. This article just accepts the government's report as, as the final word. There was a much better article in the ABC on its website by Nassim Kadem. Post-coronavirus post deposits are safe with the banks and debt for property is not a huge risk, say, regulators. And what she did was report not just the report, but Senator Malcolm Roberts' dissenting report, and especially the very important point that dissenting report says, which is that if, as the committee agrees, there's no adverse consequences of passing his bill, we'll just pass it. What's the issue? Yeah. What's the issue? Right? That's the, and and, and uh, Nassim Kadem highlighted that. Um, on, we can put those links below on the, uh, the YouTube clip here. There's a, there, I just want to highlight a few of the really glaring flaws, though, in the report, because what they what it relies upon is um, the the public and especially the members of parliament. This report is targeted at members of parliament, so they have a document, and here here it is here that that they can wave around and go, oh, see, someone has looked at this. I don't have to, 
and they've come to that conclusion. And Treasury's involved in APRA and I don't have to do that, right? And that's how members of parliament work, unfortunately, way too much. They just, they, they abrogate their responsibility. Now, now, they're often too busy, and I understand that, but that's because too many laws get rushed, rushed through parliament. Um, uh, so, so this is designed to say to them, oh, see, we've done the thinking for you, don't worry about it. Well, when you look at the details, it's pretty disgusting what the, the kind of assumptions that they expect people just to accept. And I want to highlight one because it's, it's so important to the way you, you see the, the flaws here. There's a, there's a line in this report that basically gives an example of the other type. There's a type of instrument, Craig, that everyone agrees can be bailed in. It's called a hybrid security or a bail-in bond. And these are bonds that have a high rate of interest and people are uh, attracted to buy them. But in their terms and conditions, they, they, they say that under certain circumstances, they can be turned into shares or written off, right? These, these types of bonds. So in exchange for your high interest rate, you carry this risk. Now, in countries like the UK, these bonds are not allowed to be sold to the public, to the general public, mum and dads, to retail investors. They're only sold to sophisticated investors who can be aware of the risk. In this report, it talks about these bonds and says, APRA's prudential regulation ensures they can't be sold to people who don't know their risk. And, I, and there's footnoted to APRA's prudential regulation, and that regulation was struck in 2015. And so I looked it up, this, 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 um, this regulation, and the fact that it was, it was issued in 2015 told me all I needed to know. Because in October 2017, the head of AP, uh, ASIC, who's the securities regulator, he was outgoing at the time, um, he's, he's just finished his tenure, and on the way out of office, he, he lobbed a hand grenade at APRA. And in, and in parliamentary testimony to the same committee, he made a big deal about these bonds, and he accused APRA of letting people, mum and dad in, in, investors in Australia, buy them without knowing their risks. Right? And he said, these are a ticking time bomb. They will be bailed in. These are a ticking time bomb. And the people who hold them don't, wouldn't know that. Right? Yet there's a prudential regulation from 2015 that supposedly protects them. Yeah. And it's just an example that the government's assurances in these areas are just not worth anything. They're worthless. You can't take their assurances as gospel unless it's black and white in the legislation. That's all we're asking for. Hmm. Right? And you, the viewer, can really make a big issue out of that. So next, next few months, we'll keep giving you information on our website, etc. But you start engaging your senators all 12 senators from your state and the members of parliament, go to our website for the links to you can find their contact details and just keep demanding you must pass this bill, you must pass this bill. So, um, there's, there's plenty more we could keep saying, Craig, but we've got another subject to move on, so let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Australia's relentless slide to fascism. Welcome back to the Citizens Report. So finally, Australia's relentless slide to fascism. And we want to highlight a very important uh, ongoing problem in this country, Craig, which we've been, we've been going after for 20 years, mm. literally, um, which is this, what the, the laws that are getting rammed through Parliament in the name of national security, right? And we've had, since 9-11... And, you know, slightly older viewers or old enough viewers will remember how that became the excuse for, you know, oh, we need all these protections against terrorism. There's been 85 such laws passed in Australia in 20 years that give the government and, and, and the intelligence agencies like ASIO enormous power, right? And now there's more. And I want to highlight a few of them. Um, the details are in this latest issue of our Australian Alert Service 
which you can, if you haven't received a copy before, you can call in and get a free copy of. Um, uh, it's available to get regularly as well. Mor there's an article here, Morrison Government's National Security Hypocrisy Exposed. But these are the bills, the extra bills that are before Parliament now. One is the Telecommunications Legislation Amendment, International Production Orders Bill 2020. And what does this bill do? Well, there's the, the main electro electronic spy agency in Australia, Craig, is called the Australian Signals Directorate. It used to be called the Defence Signals Directorate. There's a rule they can't spy on Australians. Mm. This law allows our agencies to get around that by going to their Five Eyes partners, the equivalent in the United States, United Kingdom, Canada or New Zealand, and get when they spy, they're allowed to spy on Australians and get the information from them. Right? Because this is not just part of Australian fascism, we're part of it. This Five Eyes is a network of global fascism. People like you know, Edward Snowden and, and William Binney from the NSA blew the whistle on this sort of right, stuff. Yeah, we've got a long history of reporting on this. If we go back to 2004, we produced a new citizen called uh, about what we call the Synarchy, yep. right? which actually went through in detail. And I think we've got enough copies here. If people really want a copy of this, then they should call up if they haven't, you know, and, and get no, a absolutely. copy. Absolutely. The history because, of this, look, this sure. goes through the actual details of all those laws that were passed post-2001 and the actual nature of the Liberal Party, which actually was a fascist born organization. Out of yeah. Born out of this. So mm. this is not... The Liberal Party, what it's doing today is not out of character for what was done back under John Howard with the fascist mm. laws, but even going back into Sir Robert Menzies. Robert Menzies, co-founder of the, of the Young Liberals, was a, was a Victorian MP named Wilfred Kent Hughes who wrote a three-part series in 1935 for the Melbourne Herald why I have become a fascist. Exactly. So look, the, the motive, the, the motive of, of introducing all these fascist laws, of stripping away people's rights and, and privacies under the idea of cyber terrorism or any sort of they terrorism. They just look for a pretext. That's all yeah. it is. So, I mean, people want a copy of that. I'm sure we can and find it. And it coincides, Craig, of course, with, with uh, economic um, breakdown because that's when they need it, right? Because that's when the public's likely to rise up. Let me just say a few, more, few other things about these laws, though. Um, the, the two other th ones I want to highlight is, is an ASIO Amendment Bill 2020, which will allow ASIO to detain and interrogate kids as young as 14. At the moment, the, the age limit is 16. If they are likely to engage in, well, one of the things is politically motivated violence. So, of course, you're a 14-year-old could be a terrorist. But also espionage and foreign interference, mm. right? And then there's one where there's a homeland, Peter Dutton's, Department of Homeland Security has a discussion paper protecting critical infrastructure and systems of national significance. They want to expand critical infrastructure definition to include every possible thing, not just, not just you know, water, power and communication systems, but banking, universities, food and grocery. Because by doing that, then Dutton's, then Dutton's department can take them over under certain circumstances. Right? This, this is the sort of stuff they're pushing. And of course, but, the, but um, all this is done in, you know, a few years ago, this was all anti-Muslim, anti-terrorism. Now... It's all anti-China, China, China, foreign. You know the Chinese are a threat. We, you know we need this. We need this China stuff. What we want to do is play you a, a clip, though, because Australians have bought into this idea that China is evil. There's an assumption that everything Chinese is evil. The evil CCP, the evil Communist Party. Listen to the the uh, a diplomat from Singapore, the Singaporean ambassador to the United Nations in 2018 address this, this misassumption, this un misunderstanding of China that's in the American and Australian mind. And just think about it in terms of how you think about China. I think that there's also fundamentally a, a major misunderstanding of China in this country. And I, let me tell you what the major misunderstanding is. You all, you've seen that China was ruled by Communist Party in 1949. Mm -hmm. 
ruled by Communist Party in 1979, will be ruled by Communist Party 2019, and you assume that China hasn't changed. It's still being right. run by the same Communist Party. But the Chinese Communist Party has obviously changed fundamentally. I mean, from, and I, I went to China for the first time in 1980. When I went to China for the first time in 1980, the Chinese people couldn't, didn't have the freedom. They couldn't choose what to wear. They all wore Maoist suits. Yeah. They couldn't choose where to live, where to work, uh, what to study. Uh, and certainly zero Chinese could travel overseas, zero. Now you go back to China, the Chinese people can, can choose what to wear, where to live, where to work, where to study. And guess what? Every year, 120 million Chinese, right? I think it's more than the population in California. 120 million Chinese leave China freely as tourists. Amazingly, 120 million Chinese return to China freely. <laughs> now, if China was a communist, gulag, Stalinist state, would you go back to China? And so there's a complete misunderstanding of China. Clearly, there, while the political freedoms in China have an increase, the personal freedoms of the Chinese people has exploded. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you, one of, the, one of the questions that future historians will be very puzzled by is the judgments made by America on China. And I'll tell you why they'll be puzzled. The United States of America is about 240 years old. Chinese history, maybe 2,400 years old. In today's world, you have a society which is 240 years old passing judgment on a society which is 2,400 years old and at a time when China has had its best 30 years of history, the Americans are telling Chinese, you guys are not doing very well. <laughs> really, you should change your political system. Listen to us, become a democracy, all be well with you. And I can tell you one thing, that Chinese leaders, there's a whole shades of opinion among them. The one complete point of agreement that they all have is that they saw what happened to the Soviet Communist Party. Mm. They saw what happened to the Soviet Union. They saw what happened to Russia. It went overnight to a democracy. Guess what? The Russian economy imploded. Life expectancy came down. Infant mortality went up. The Russian people suffered. And the Chinese said, this is what happens when you have instant democracy. So when the Chinese said, give us time, mm. let us transform our political system in our own way, I said, let them do it. Why do you think that you would know better what's good for them? Does that reflect the fact that for 200 years, you got used to doing it, telling the world how they should behave, and therefore you think, you can be a better judge of the rest of the world. So that judgmental character in the West has got to adapt to the rest of the world because the rest of the world today is less willing to be judged by you. So if you accept the assumption that, Craig, that China is pure evil, you will accept everything the government is dishing up to you to say we've got to have these things to protect us from this threat. Yep. But if you look at what he's saying, 
and you realise, well, no, no, okay, there may be some differences, but they're, they're normal people. There's great improvements. Where is this coming from? You see that it's a smokescreen because the agenda of fascism is not China driving it. This is our side driving in Australia, and that's what we've got to fight, and that's what we're fighting. So thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for more. Thank you.